you're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast. We're the business development resource for group practice owners, where we talk candidly about business ownership and leadership. From practice building tips to live coaching to real talk episodes with other group practice owners, we're the resource you've been looking for to help you grow your group practice. I'm your host, group practice owner and entrepreneur, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is an online EHR, practice management, and billing software designed for mental health professionals. Therapy Notes has everything you need to manage patient records, schedule appointments, create rich documentation, and bill insurance right at your fingertips. They offer free and unlimited live support seven days a week. Their streamlined software is accessible wherever and whenever you need it. To get two free months, go to www.therapynotes.com forward slash r forward slash the group practice exchange. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting, an accounting firm that works specifically with private practices. They do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. On top of that, they can help you set up your profit first systems. Go to greenoakaccounting.com and mention the Group Practice Exchange for $100 off your first month. Ready to go from zero to launch? I'm so excited to share a new program called Launch. It's an eight-week interactive program for people looking to start their group practices. For eight weeks, we're going to dive deep into the core aspects of successfully starting a group practice. Seats are limited, so join the waitlist to be the first to know when the doors open. You can do that by visiting thegrouppracticeexchange.com. On the menu, click on the button that says Work with Maureen, and then in the drop-down, click the button Programs. You'll then be able to see the launch waitlist link there, so you don't want to miss a thing. Do that right now, and as soon as we open the doors, you'll be the first to know. See you there. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Today, I have a leadership expert. Her name is Kimberly Cummings, and I'm really excited to chat with her about how to coach the right employees into leadership. And um, I'll have her introduce herself a little bit, but she's an author. She's written a book called Next Move, Best Move, and she's also a podcast host as well of Your Next Move podcast. So hi, Kimberly. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, like I said earlier, before starting the recording, I'm very appreciative of having you um, because this topic is just becoming so relevant as um, business owners, especially in our industry, are really being feeling burnt out and needing extra leadership support. I think this is such a relevant and timely topic. So I'm really glad to have you on to share your expertise in that leadership arena. Yes. Thank you so much. Very happy to talk about all things leadership. Awesome. So I know I gave a very short uh, intro to you, but you want to start with letting us know who you are and for any one of my listeners who might not yet know you, um, why are you the person to talk to when it comes to this topic? Oh gosh. Okay. So the short and skinny. Um, Again, my name is Kimberly B. Cummings. I'm a career and leadership development expert. I've been in the space for over 10 years. Um, I founded a company called Manifest Yourself. It's a leadership development company helping women and people of color navigate the world of work, make more money and position themselves as leaders. And as you shared, I'm a brand new author. I guess not brand new now, but it feels like it happened yesterday. So in June, um, I published my first book. Um, And fun fact, we're talking about group practice. Um, I have a master's of science and counseling. 
Oh, that's awesome. I did not know that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so even, even more relevant, you knowing this information, you also get, uh, you know, what it's like to be in the counseling world and as a therapist owning a business and, um, you know, bringing people into leadership. So I'm really appreciative. Um, so I, I feel like COVID has really kind of started this process for a lot of group practice owners. And I'm sure it's like, you see this with other entrepreneurs and business owners as well, um, of feeling burnt out and trying to pivot when it comes to, you know, not leading in a silo and, and having other people on a leadership team to be able to support them so that they can step back a little bit and recalibrate. Um, are you seeing this as well? A hundred percent. I think People thought that I think working from home would make things easier, um, that we'd have more time for all the things, that our schedules would be lighter. But when in truth, all the studies show that most folks who work from home now remotely, especially with COVID, are working 10 times harder, longer hours. There's no cutoff, no separation between work and home anymore. It used to be cute to be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to pop a load of laundry in. And now it's like, I haven't done laundry in two weeks. Like, I don't know when the time is going to happen. Um, so I think across the board, people are thinking more, how can they get time back? Yeah. How can they have a life in addition to their career? So leadership is one of the topics that frequently comes up, frequently comes up, especially for entrepreneurs, because that kind of alludes to scaling. How can you scale your business to replicate yourself? Yeah. And I, what I see um, specifically in our industry, because that's what I see most of, is practice owners having a hard time figuring out who the right person is to lead, because it's a different thing to have a team of really great clinicians mm -hmm. and you you can't really use that data of like who's a great clinician as an example of who could be a great leader and I feel like we I'm seeing a ton of this for the past few years with um, practice owners that I work with is that they're bringing their best clinical person uh, into leadership and those are two very different skills um, and so I want to get your feedback on you know how I guess one what should you be looking for when looking at your team and um, wanting to potentially elevate someone into a leadership position? Uh, and then we can go into like how to coach people into uh, getting into that space. Of course. So the number one thing is understanding what everyone's career plan is. I think the age old thing happens in every industry in that you do really great at your job. So therefore you get promoted to manage people to train them how to do your job. Mm -hmm. However, there are a lot of people who don't want to be managers or they simply just need more development in order to do so. So understanding people on your team, understanding what their career growth is going to look like what they would like it to look like um, what their skill set is outside of let's say being a great clinician i think like you just said like being a clinician is very different from managing a team and sometimes you need a completely different person there sometimes i've seen business owners find a chief of staff bring on someone in operations someone else who is looking for that versus taking someone who is working in, let's say their zone of genius yeah. and elevating them to a role where they're now exercising skills that they may not even want to develop. They may like being what I call an individual contributor, like being in the weeds, doing the work, not necessarily being that people leader. Exactly. And um, I also think that there are, you know, people who feel like there just always has to be that movement, you know, mm -hmm. 
because they're successful in the role that they're in, it feels like it's just the next thing you're supposed to do is then move up. Um, and so what do you, what is your suggestion for people who are employees that are on a team who are doing great work, who are maybe thinking about the next opportunity, um, whether that's in leadership um, or just the next thing within the business, in terms of really ensuring that that is what they want to do versus it feeling like, I just remember when I grew up, like, you're supposed to get married, then have a kid. Like, there's like this whole, mm-hmm. like, and it, you never even really, or at least I didn't thought about like, is this really what I'm wanting? Or is this just what society says to do? And so I feel like it can be very similar in the business, in, in um, employment is like, if you're doing great work, like you, you might think I'm just supposed to go to the next, like move up somehow. Right. Um, what is your feedback for employees who are feeling like they're doing great work right now um, around consciously, I guess, deciding if leadership or leveling up in some sort of way is the next step for them? Or if, if it's, if it's just okay for them to say like, I'm in my zone of genius and I'm doing great work and I'm be, and I'm, this is success for me, you know? It's really crucial that all employees really understand what do they really want? And that sounds like such a simple question, right? What do you really want? Um, I need to do a podcast on this. I think I've said it a few times recently to my own clients, but I'm gonna share it here. Um, Most of the time when people start to feel stuck in their careers, it's because they're operating in a box. When we think of any job, nine to five, just let's just say that's the hours we're using, no matter what hours you work, you operate in a box. Now, some people's box could be this beautiful plexiglass, like decked out with crate and barrel furniture inside. Like it's perfect. Other people's box can look like it got delivered by USPS and you don't even know if your stuff isn't still in it, like, right? It can be all beaten up. But regardless, whenever you're working um, and not necessarily as an entrepreneur, when you're working in an, an environment, your, your role is a box, right? Like you have to operate in here, but in order to really figure out what you want to do next, it's important to blow the lid off the box. You have to think big, grandiose. What brings you joy? What do you want to learn? What do you want to experience? What do you want your day-to-day reality to be like when you're logging in to work every single day? I think you have to think for yourself, what are those things that bring you joy? What gets you excited? What do you not want to do? I'm a big believer in strengthening your strengths. You do not have to improve upon your weaknesses unless you'd like to, or unless it's keeping you away for something. So for instance, I spent almost 10 years of my career in career development counseling, and I knew I wanted to be a director of career services at one point in my career. Understanding assessment was a really big piece of that. I was not going to be able to get to where I wanted to be unless I understood assessment, qualitative and quantitative. Those are the worst classes I had in grad school, worst classes I had in undergrad, (laughs) but I wanted to get there. So what did I do? I learned how to do assessment because that was a barrier. Yeah. And I had to overcome that hump. Now, in my last corporate job, I was the director of global diversity talent acquisition strategy at a Fortune 100 company. And when we had to start getting into data analysis, I was like, I could actually hire someone to do this. This does not have to be me. Instead of struggling through, I'm like, I don't need to strengthen that strength anymore. I don't want to. I'm going to work on what works for me versus I don't, I don't need to work on strengthening that weakness, <laughs> excuse me. Um, it's not something that I have to do at this time. So I think blowing that lid off your box and determining 
what is going to make you happy? What excites you? Or what do you even like to try? I have some career coaching clients who they're excited just to try something different. And that's what moves them. And that could be lateral. Every move does not have to be promotional. And I think that's a really great point to make because um, there's this assumption that every move needs to have some up leveling to it um, for it to feel like a positive thing, you know, um, mm. and that's, that's not necessarily the case. And there's so many instances, instances that I've seen where the move is lateral because they're now more in their zone of genius, or they're now m- more in line with the type of work that really fills them up. Um, so that's a really great point. Yes. Niching down. Like we talk about in business, like not being so broad, you got to niche down to get to your thing. Yep. So if, for group practice owners who are in this space right now and, and maybe have an employee or two that they feel like would be a great fit to either be their clinical director or supervisor that tends to be kind of the first leadership person that um, practice owners bring on, what are um, some tips that you have for them to really help coach them to really leading? Because what I see oftentimes is that um, we bring people into leadership who really become almost like middle managers, like they aren't owning the outcomes of whatever it is that they're leading on. So they really don't have that autonomy and control um, in that leadership role. And I'm assuming it comes from the space of like, this is the first person you're bringing into leadership. So you have to actually know how to let go of some control too. Yes. Um, what <laughs> feedback you have on that? So before even talking to the person, I think as the leader of the practice, make sure you understand what you actually are looking for this person to do. And many times this is about also what needs to get offloaded off your plate. So what are the things that you no longer want to be responsible for? What are the systems you need to put in place so someone else can run with this? What are the templates? Document your processes. So when you're promoting someone or bringing someone into this role, you have things kind of ironed out a little bit more because that's exactly what happens when you bring someone in and you can't kind of let go because there's no process. You have to keep on touching. They have to keep asking you, oh, well, how do I do this? Like, I'm not really sure. Can you help me with this real quick? Then you're just, you're not really managing. You're kind of just giving a task piece by piece. Right. So understanding what you need, understanding what the processes are, and building that out so you can train someone and then having discussions, have a very honest conversation about what your needs are, what you're looking for the job to entail, what that person's strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and how can they, how would they like to function in this role? Is it in alignment with them right. to move forward? What is also your vision? If you're owning your own practice, what is your vision? Is this going to be, you're going to be managing two or three people right now? Or are you looking for this person to manage 10 people down the line? Exactly. When you start to hire and bring someone into a leadership role, they also have to buy into your vision. So being clear on your vision and your expectations is really key. So that person can make an educated decision if they'd like to move forward. I I think that's such an undervalued um, area of business ownership is having an actual vision it for your business and then actually communicating it with your team. Because um, I feel like that's like two, a two-step problem is that there's a lot of business owners that because creating a vision doesn't feel like a, it's not, there's no tangible 
physical success in that. You know, you're not, you mm -hmm. don't see money come in because you've done it. You, in, in a global sense, you do, yes. you've done it right, but it's not an immediate sort of results-based thing. And so it can feel like, you know, especially new business owners, they, it feels more successful to put out like small fires that are going on in their business because they're like, they can see the success of that fire is now out. Um, so I feel like that's problem number one is a lot of business owners don't even know what the vision of uh, their business and the values of their business are because they haven't spent that time. And then the second issue I see is for those that do have it, it almost is as if they feel like that's just their thing because they own the business that they have to know and not that their employees or the community um, that they serve knows this information too. And um, you really have to have the buy-in of, of your team for that vision to actually be ever like seen, you know? I mean, yeah, you want people to be bought into your vision, bought into your core values. When you talk about hiring, if you understand what your core values are and the core values for your company, that allows you to make better hiring decisions because you can then interview and screen and identify those core values in others to help you grow. And it all depends on no matter if you want to have a practice and you have four people or you want a practice of 25 people, it's important to understand what that vision looks like as you're growing and scaling for yourself too. Because, you know, as business owners, you know, money is a thing, right? Like making sure you can pay these bills every single month. Um, but there's a time when just the money isn't enough to keep you going. Right. People have to be tied to something more than the money. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's say, let's say we have some listener here who feels like they've found that person on their team that they want to bring into a clinical director or leadership mm -hmm. sort of role. Um, how, what are some tips around successfully coaching them into leadership versus what I see happening a lot is, oh, you're a great clinician, you know, our policies and procedures, so you can lead, <laughs> you know, which is, not enough information for someone to actually lead successfully is them being good at the job that of the people they might be leading and you know having been in the business in the practice for long enough to know all the policies and procedures there's so much more to leadership than that and um i think a lot of practice owners forget that um when they bring people into leadership and then they have someone who's leading who's not really um wasn't given the tools to actually be successful in that there needs to be a training period. So let me put on my counseling hat and remember what happened in grad school. <laughs> like when I first started counseling students and counseling clients, you had practicum. I think that's what it was called, right? Practicum, where someone shadowed with you. You learned these things. You weren't just put into the fire, like go forth and help this person out. There was someone there. You did it with your peers first. And then you did it in like group environments. You re-listened to tapes. I remember transcribing and talking about every counseling skill I used with each reply. I hated it. Absolutely hated it. <laughs> but it helps. And when you actually had someone in front of you, you knew what to say. I think in the world of work, we just throw people into things and expect them to go. Because many times you're hiring because you needed the person yesterday, not because you actually feel like you have the time to train. So again, making sure you put those processes into place and think about what resources that person needs. Um, I'm a big believer in education in the workplace still. So would it be beneficial for you to send them to a seminar? 
would it be beneficial um, for them to get a coach quickly to help them? Um, what other mentorship can you provide them with someone else? Um, don't just throw them into this role and expect them to be successful without training, especially if you don't have existing processes and systems and everything else outside of just how to run your business, right? Like they've been doing the job, they know that. But when it comes to being a leader, um, even if it's a really good book and you have discussions about it weekly and you're one-on-ones together, mm-hmm. how can you kind of hold their hand through the process in the same way they learned how to be a clinician? I really like that. And I think one of the areas where it's an almost like a mental obstacle for group owners is that um, because they're making a financial investment in having yes. them lead, they just want them to be like, producing the leadership stuff and to, to, um, to pay for time to read and learn and just talk and shadow um, feels like an expense for a lot of practice owners that they might not have, which I'm putting mm-hmm. quotes in that because they, you do. Um, it's just a matter of how you're looking at it. But um, I remember one of the first books I read, and I don't even remember the name of the book because it was when I started my group practice 10 years ago, but they were, it, it said something that always stuck with me, which is for every five minutes of a job, you should be training them for 20 minutes. Now, obviously if someone works 40 hours a week, they're not doing th- those five minutes. You know, yes. they might be doing a lot of whatever's in that five minutes replicating that. Um, but it really like shined a light to, on me when it came to training that we, historically across all industries severely uh undervalue the time investment it takes to train someone successfully um and so right now i just elevated someone into an executive director position and she's mm-hmm. doing six months of training um she's essentially taking pretty much most of my what i do as the business owner and i'll just be in visionary um but it, we have a six month period from october 1st through April 1st, where every Wednesday for eight hours, her and I sit together and she just gets into my brain. Um, and we do, we do nothing else with it. I mean, we literally just process and chat and talk through, um, all the things that I, as a business owner, think about that she is going to be taking on. Um, that's incredible. And I think kudos to you for even dedicating that time because I, rarely hear someone investing that much time to brain dump, to talk. And I think we do it for interns, right? We do it when we have interns, we spend so much time with them because we don't want them to mess up. Yeah. Right. They have someone on their heels for the longest time. And even when you're slightly off their heels, you're literally like around the corner eavesdropping just to make sure that they're there and we hold their hand. But magically when someone gets into the workforce, we assume like, oh, you'll you figure it out. School is over. Yep. Like you'll be great. That education is so needed. And sometimes it's just having conversations. It's that first time someone calls out sick without notice. And that manager doesn't know how to have that conversation in a kind way. Right. You just have to be there to do a little bit of handholding to usher them in. And especially if it's your company, you don't want anyone representing your company who is tainting your experience. People leave managers. They generally don't leave companies. So I, it's so important. That I, I don't know. Is that you that I've read this from? Because I remember either it was on your Instagram, but when I read that, I was like, that is so 
true. In many cases, it has to do with whoever is, is leading them. Um, nine, nine times out of 10, it's due to unhappiness in the workplace, which leadership is obviously a huge part. Yes. I can't take credit. I don't think I, I don't think I originally said it. Um, I've said it for years, yeah. but I don't even remember who told me that. <laughs> I feel like I, it was, I, it might've been on your Instagram or, or yeah. whatnot, but I was like, that is such a great point. Um, and I have to say, I know you said, oh, this, you know, it's so great that you're training for t- six months. This is going to be the first, I have eight people in leadership um, in different capacities because my group practice is large. Um, and this is the first time I'm doing it at this level. So it took me 10 years and eight leaders to get to the point where I'm investing at that level because of learning through mistakes. And I, I, I think I um, have done more training than maybe others with leadership, but never to this level. Um, and I, I think it's going to make such a big difference. And so uh, I'm assuming that's one of your tips is, around coaching is to actually provide ample amount of time to coach them into leadership versus throwing them kind of into the wolves, so to speak. It's time and understand what it is that they need. Yeah. What are their weak areas? Where do they need more support? Where do they need more coaching? And all that comes from conversations. Really asking the person and creating a safe environment where they want to come to you and are comfortable coming to you sharing like, I need more help here. Yeah. So I know we're kind of running out of time here, but like, um, I know you have some things going on course-wise and book and all that stuff. Um, Is there anything that would be helpful to either the group practice owners who are trying to support someone into uh, a leadership position or for maybe those employees who um, are wanting to do what they need to do to, to become the type of leader that their, you know, that business or the practice needs? Yeah. So for the employees, um, my book, Next Move, Best Move, Transitioning into a Career You'll Love is a perfect fit. I also have a group program that's four months long that really gives you that development so that you can start positioning yourself as a leader. Because in order to get promoted and to get into these roles, if it is your goal to be a clinical director, it's a different type of skill set that's needed and starting to think about that in, I guess, more of a business-minded way. Um, it's a, it's a new tool, a new mindset you have to start to flex. I think for the directors and leaders, I think I have some great tips and tricks on my podcast uh-huh. and I'm working on writing my second book already. And that's strictly going to be on managing up, down and across. So when that comes out, that book will definitely, definitely be for you. Okay. You'll have to make sure that you send me an, a message on Instagram or send me an email yes. when that comes out. I'm sure I'll see it anyways, but um, keep it in, in your back pocket to remind me to when it does come out, because I'd love to share that with my um, audience. I think that that sounds like a much needed book for my. Yeah. going to be a little while though. Don't get too excited. I'm still, still stressed <laughs> out over the first one. But I thought you could write a book in like a month. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, 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 no. I'm still like shaking, thinking about that. I'm doing this again. Like why, why am I doing it? But yeah. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be more of like a 2023, 20, early 2024 release. Awesome. Well, I'm really excited for all that you're doing and it's all valuable stuff for my audience. So I appreciate you, you know, just being in this world, giving this type of information out there. It's so needed. Um, and yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on. Oh, what, what's your website so that people who want to either go to your podcast or go to your website and see that course you're talking about, where's that at? 
Perfect. If you go to KimberlyBcomings.com, that's all things about the podcast, my courses, et cetera. If you're looking to bring someone into your organization to help with trainings, go to ManifestYourself.com, my leadership development company. And I am most active on LinkedIn, so Kimberly B. Cummings, or on Instagram, Kim B. Cummings. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And um, it was nice talking. Yes. Thank you so much. Ready to go from zero to launch? I'm so excited to share a new program called Launch. It's an eight-week interactive program for people looking to start their group practices. For eight weeks, we're gonna dive deep into the core aspects of successfully starting a group practice. Seats are limited, so join the waitlist to be the first to know when the doors open. You can do that by visiting thegrouppracticeexchange.com. On the menu, click on the button that says Work with Maureen, and then in the drop-down, click the button Programs. You'll then be able to see the launch waitlist link there. So you don't want to miss a thing. Do that right now. And as soon as we open the doors, you'll be the first to know. See you there. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. Like what you heard? Give us five stars on whatever platform you're listening from. Need extra support? Join The Exchange, a membership community just for group practice owners with monthly office hours, live webinars, and a library of trainings ready for you to dive into. Visit www.members.thegrouppracticeexchange.com forward slash exchange. See you next week.